Welcome to the Digital Bosses Podcast with Joseph and Claire. Our definition of being your own boss means showing up for yourself so you can show up for everyone and everything personally and professionally. So congratulations on showing up, boss. We created the Digital Bosses Podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies to help you start, grow, and build a purposeful online business. If you are a business owner, creator, looking to build an impactful brand that makes a difference, you are in the right place. So let's say in. Good morning, beautiful people, and welcome to the Digital Bosses Podcast. I'm your co-host, Claire. Oh my God, I'm really excited about the guest who's in the studio today. But before we start the show, I do have my host, Joseph, in the house. And let's just pass the mic and ask him, how are you doing, Joseph? I'm very well. How are you? Thank you so much. This is a very good intro. It's really nice when Claire introduced the show because she's very soothing. When I do it, it's like it will pop out of your ears if you're listening to this on your pod. <laughs> so <laughs> It's actually true, but I mean, today is just special for me because the energy. I have a guest that's coming all the way from Switzerland. So, oh my God, we are in international house. Oh my God, Leonidas, I want to say first, thank you so much for being here today. And I have to say thank you so much to Eugenidas, the Fame 500. That's how I have connected with you. And I'm a fan of your work. And uh, I just can't really dive into this topic, the five benefits of workplace inclusivity. So why don't you share who you are, what you do, and how you decided to create the Leo Dynamics, which is now your business. I'll pass the mic to you. Thank you so much. It's really exciting to have this conversation today. So thank you for your invitation, Joseph and Claire. Uh, Boy, in a nutshell, who am I? Well, like you said, my name is Leonilda Ronaldo, multicultural, American, Dominican, French, and also Swiss as of uh, the past eight years. And for me, it's a privilege to be able to to use my, my gift of languages to help companies and individuals meet somewhere in between so that global workforce includes accents, grammar, language capability from all over the globe. Otherwise, we're depriving ourselves of talent, perspectives of humans and of purchasing power, right? Let's not forget that it's business, right? Money makes the world go round. So depriving us of that means that we deprive ourselves from from business. I love this. And the keyword that is coming up for me is, you know, we talked about different culture and we talk about inclusivity, but also accents. Um, we had a very interesting Zoom call before we recorded the show. We dove into this a little bit differently. We thought uh, we talked about accents and to me, accents have different ways to be perceived. Some accents are a twist, some accents are perceived like quirky and interesting, and some other accents are penalized more. Talking about accents, I'm Italian and I lived in the UK for 10 years, so my accent is a little bit of both and I always thought my accent was more of a limitation rather than a gift and in reality what happened to me was I realized turning 30 and living in different countries that in reality language are skills so you are advantaged with this and it's a privilege to be able to have an accent not a lot of people do and I would love to ask you on your experience Lenita uh, do you think there is a subconscious buy-in process going on when people hire people in corporate and would that be something that you occurred in the past 
Yes, yes. In some cases, it's unconscious in business. And in some cases, it's very conscious. The bias meaning. Yes, you're right. There are accents that are more privileged than others in terms of English. You know, it could be the British accent because it's very posh and associated with the queen with, uh, you know, being articulate and just, you know, being on a, that's the holy grail, right? Then you've got, uh, in terms of foreign accents, you said Italian is one of them, right? So there's the, the charm, the warmth, uh, the design that we associate with right. the architecture we associate with Italian accent. The French, to a certain extent, they don't know this, but the French, I've always told them, uh, the French have this privilege being associated with luxury, with class. So when they have an accent in English, it's actually right away. I mean, that you may see this also, you, Claire and Joseph being in North America. Oh, how charming. Oh, I love your accent. It's so cute. However, if we go further south, the story changes quite a bit. Accent, I'm talking about the Nigerian accent. So in the African continent, there is a bias there, meaning that, well, if you've got this accent, I can't put you in front of my clients because they won't understand you. Right. And if they don't understand you, then that means that you probably don't understand them either, even though English is their mother tongue. So Nigerian, Indian accent, sometimes the German accent. But you see, there is a conscious and unconscious bias in terms of what the accent means. However, I did have an experience in corporate where I had a boss who was British and he associated my accent to a lack of knowledge, expertise and skills. Because he would say to me, well, I don't feel comfortable for you to speak to a certain level of clients because your accent might be perceived and people might not understand you. And what you shared here, it's really interesting to me because often there are certain accents just because we're not as familiar with or they do not sound as good as other sounds or they might not be associated to a specific, you know, cultural reference, if you will. And somehow these people, especially in the recruitment process, people think, oh, because they have an accent, they cannot do the job right because they don't have the skills, which is very far away from the truth. In America, I always found people generally fascinated by the accent and not scared of it. And of course, that's my experience in Europe, which I don't believe is the exact experience you can have everywhere in America. This is just mine. But it's really interesting that you mentioned accent associated to skills because that's something that happened to me. And, you know, I have to kind of prove myself twice to show that I was able to deliver what I was going to deliver. And it was just, and often they use it as a way to kind of make you feel uncomfortable. And if you're someone listening to this and you have been in an interview and you have an accent and you've been told about an accent, you probably have been in that position where you really didn't know how to handle that question because sometimes the level of confidence we have with our voice is not the same level of confidence we project. And I wanted to share that. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. This is a home run to use a baseball term, which I really don't like baseball, but I mean, it just hits the nail because the the fact of the matter is, Joseph and Claire, in terms of accents and language capability, there's a collective fantasy, I would say, that just cannot continue uh, the way it is. And that collective fantasy says white, male, female, and an accent that is British, English, 
Scottish is pushing it. Irish could. So you see how limited the collective imagination is in terms of accents and the way you can express yourself in business. So true. Also, there are some examples of accents that become trendy as well. There are some accents that I don't know if any one of you guys can relate, but I feel like TV, media, entertainment will put on a specific accent on certain things and the accent will become something people will like and will try to replicate. The British accent is one of the most famous ones because they all do it. I love when Americans try to do it with the British one. It's brilliant. It's hilarious. I find it fantastic. Another thing that is really interesting and I want to share before I lead to Claire is that, for example, different accents perception, it's something that in the UK they try to project in the mainstream media. For instance, if you are working for BBC and you work for them in the early 2000s, you will have something called BBC English, which is an English extremely clean, without any accent, and it will be the television broadcasting type of voice. It will be the voice that I think you have in the US as well. We had a guest called Jerry in the show before. He is a broadcaster in America, and that's what I associate as a as a broadcast language and a broadcast accent in the US for me. That's my perception. But in the UK, what they try to do in the last 15 years is to have different people from different regions and really enhance that accent to really trigger inclusivity on mainstream media and relatability. Because if you hear someone that is from Manchester and speaks just like you and you come from the same place, you will relate to that person. And I think we have a journey of inclusivity we're going towards right now. And I love this idea of having accent and different ways to work together and to allow anyone listening to you, to me or to Claire or to anybody else for that matter to really relate to you and build that connection because at the end of the day, language is a connection tool. Absolutely. It is a connection. As you said earlier with your example, Joseph, of your one of your bosses at one point who didn't want to have you liaise with a client because of your accent. I mean, you seem like someone who is very confident and you own your stuff, right? Yeah. That is, and even though you own your stuff and even though you're confident that must have taken a blow to you to hear that from your boss who I mean he hired you right yeah so that accent you came with it to the interview so it's just interesting how we will corporate will hire people with accents but at a certain point well we don't want to put them out there externally vis-a-vis uh, -vis clients and, you know, personally, I have a personal example of a client, luxury, a French brand, by the way, and whose focus was to build a closer relationship with its clients, its customers. What did they want to do? Erase the accent of one of their sales associates. Oh, my God. I said, no, there's no way. Yeah. There is no way. We cannot do that. That's borderline racist. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's put it in context, right? Again, like I said, there's there's no judgment here. It's for me, it's just it's noticing the facts and it just confirms me and my mission more and more. When I hear stories like yours, when I see experiences like the one I just quoted, it takes a lot of self-confidence and just the right wording to be able to tell that boss, hey, I may have an accent, but guess what? I also have a brain and language is a connector. So if you want me to connect with the customers, I'm your person, okay? So that's, we, we the collective needs to be exposed 
to more diversity in language capability. Hey, it's Claire here. How's going? Are you enjoying the episode today? And what is your biggest takeaway? If you like what you're listening, and make sure that you go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. We value your feedback and let us know how we can improve. And now, back to the show. I am loving what I'm hearing right now. I'm really quietly just to listen you both experience and literally there's just so much that actually came into my head they some of the key words that i have heard is, you know self-confidence and by the way it's also to me is belongings because i'll use my example like you know i'm an asian growing up in vancouver in north america since i was young and in vancouver back then there's lots of asians i mean lots of my friends are asians and when you guys talk about the accent i really remember when certain type of people that you hang around often you grew up with an accent because especially if your language is not English as a model town because at home yes you go to school you know you speak English with your teacher your friends but when you come home you speak your model tongues right that really actually came to me because I remember that I was trying really hard back in the days as a teenager and uh, trying to see okay fix my accent and a lot of time I'm just like oh my god you know I speak Mandarin and I have still have that accent, even though I have some of my friends that I don't hang out so much with like some of my Asians or Chinese friends, but I was really trying hard and picking myself. I need to have like a perfect, like, you know, white people accent. Just like you guys say in North America, they're not so much of like different accent, like Europe, you know. And uh, I remember when I went for a job interview in the beginning as a working makeup artist, and you're really trying to ask somebody. Now I think about it because I think that's probably also our generation. You're trying to ask someone like you probably you didn't know you were, and you're trying very hard from the way you look. You know, trying to like a white person, you're trying to fix your accent. That also diving to when I actually moved to UK, I was really blown by. Because again, I was really trying to fit in myself. And when I was used to work for a lot of luxury uh, department stores, different skincare brands, I knew that yes, I have an advantage because people when you, oh, you came from Canada, you have a different accent, which you gotta talk about privilege. A lot of time I was still trying to fit in there, you know, cause I would wanna try to talk to like the British, you know, like really polite and then, oh, madans, you know, like all this kind of thing. I like speaking of like, and then when I moved to Italy with Joseph, his background's in Italy, which I'm very familiar with Italy cause I lived there. I worked with some of the top designer brands. And again, at that time, all my uh, roommates, they were all Italians. But I hang out there were Italians. I was really refused to also hang out with people just like me. But again, I was trying to find very hard time. I need to feel like the belongings. I try to just again finding for an internship. I need to have like perfect Italians, which I'm not Italian, but I do speak back in. But again, at the same time, I'm like, okay, I tried them very hard just to wait how they speak, what's their accent like, you know. And I want to be really chic and snob because that's a very Milanese <laughs> thing that they do. And especially working in the fashions. And I'm just like, I want to feel I am part of that community. Oh, my God. And uh, now I think about it. I mean, yes, it was part of my experience, my journey. But I could really 
to say that you really do get advantage with people, even though, yes, I am an Asian and that is something I cannot change. But when you speak and you ally certain ways, somehow people give you the credits. Is it right? Is it wrong? I mean, now I think about it just like some people, when they have an accent, the way how they look, how they dress up, their image, people criticize. It's not always right. I know that like Leonida, for your experience, you have traveled a lot. I would like you just to share some things that you have experienced and how can we really change that communication, which we talk about connection, especially in the culture perspective in a company. Yes, thank you. Thank you for that question, Claire, and for sharing your experience. Uh, I'm sure your listeners can identify. I fully identify with your experience coming from a family of immigrants from the Dominican Republic, you know, I experienced that from them because at me, I was born in the United States. But to answer your question in terms of perspective of a, of a company, well, we can start with the one thing that you mentioned, which is a desire to belong. Okay. When you said, you know, I wanted to be a part of that community. I wanted to, I didn't want to stand out. That is a basic human need to belong to a community, right? So that community looks differently, whether you're working in pharmaceuticals, in luxury, in banking, whatever the case may be, you want to belong. You want to be able to be part of the conversation and not be excluded, right? The first thing I work on with an employee, an executive who's in that same situation is basically teaching them that stems from a desire of belonging, okay? And that there's nothing wrong with that, okay? Number one. Number two, from the perspective of the company, there is work to be done on the side of the company and on the side of the employee. On the side of the employee, it's more about managing their mindset, managing their energy, because you project, just like Joseph was saying earlier, you project how you feel inside, right? You know, in, in French, there's an expression that I love that says, don't use to be whipped, right? So don't grab that whip to be whipped, you know, and that is why the work with the employee is so critical because we're going to work with identifying that person's superpower, okay? there We all have a superpower, right? You know, for Joseph, it was, you know, his charisma. Uh, for you, it was the fact that, you know, for you, Claire, the fact that you came from a different country, you said, okay, I'm Asian. I can't, I mean, there's nothing I can do about that. And thank heavens you can't do anything about that because, hey, that's a conversation starter. Oh, wait a minute. Yes, look. And for luxury, ooh, you know, where it's all about storytelling, you have a story to tell. And so there comes the connection with, with the language and the product and the customer. So we're going to look at that person's superpower first and foremost, so that then we can build that person's confidence. Because as Joseph pointed out earlier, when a boss tells you, oh, I'm having second thoughts about an external facing position for you. No, it's okay because I'm owning my superpower. And maybe that boss didn't know what that superpower was because you've hidden it so much because you wanted to belong so much that you yourself don't know what that superpower is. So we're going to highlight that. We're going to dig deep. We're going to find it, and then we're going to wave that flag like it's going out of style. Then, on behalf of the company, what's going to happen, in your opinion? Something amazing is going to happen. 
what's going to happen. And I have several examples. Uh, one in particular is let's call him Mark. It's not Mark, but let's call him Mark. He came to me for work on his accent, his grammar. He thought he had a grammar problem. He thought he had a vocabulary problem. And in fact, he didn't know that his strength was, was his active listener. So what we're doing is working on his capacity to ask deep, burning questions, the types of questions that can rock the boat, right? And with just that, he's gained so much confidence that now he's sitting in boardrooms, you know, regardless if they're native English speakers or not, he's doing his thing. Yes, there are, they, he's got an accent. Yes, sometimes he's got to repeat. Not a problem anymore because he knows where his footing is. And because of that, now the company is hearing Mark's voice where before he preferred to keep his mouth shut. That's what we need to do. We need to lift those barriers that are keeping non-native English speakers silenced and are keeping companies, depriving companies, external facing positions that can gain lots of money for the company. I love this. And, you know, you touched on some incredible points and I want anyone listening to this feeling a lack of belonging due to their accent or feeling they don't, they are not good enough and they feel, if you're listening to this and you're feeling that your accent is compromising your skill set, I want you to shift this because that is quite the opposite. Think about your accent and the fact that you know an extra language or that you have a twist in the way you speak as a skill and a superpower of your own. I think that's the biggest takeaway I want anyone to listen to this um, to come out with. I want to ask you guys, before we wrap this up, what is the biggest misconception that you came across about your own accent? Talking about rocking that boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm here to let you... <laughs> Oh my God, no, please go ahead. I would like to hear yours first, Leonida, and then Joseph, and I'll share mine. I mean, this is going to be a hot one. Misconception of my own accent. Yeah, well, let's go personal here. Then I'm going to share one for mine, which happens pretty much on a daily basis. Well, oh gosh, this can go many different directions, but it was, I'll, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you two. One that was actually, that really stroked my ego when I was first learning French. Right. It was the highlight of the moment for me because I, I was at a ski resort and there were some locals, you know, I was asking them questions. We were making small talk and they said, oh, are you, where are you from in Switzerland? And I thought, oh my goodness, you know, it was huge for me because in my mind, it was like, okay, I've arrived. This is it. Um, the, the goal is achieved, right. right? Another example, which was another one that really rocked my boat, but in a different way, was in New York City, I was applying for a job as a teacher at a pretty upscale school. And this time there was no Skype, no, no way of seeing the person before, before actually coming for the interview, right? So we're having the conversation. The interview is going really well. I had spoken to two different faculty members and the department director. And for me, it was pretty much a done deal. Coming to the, to the school was more of a formality than anything else. And that's what I was led to believe. When I showed up, the person who was going to hire me, I mean, you could tell right away that 
I mean, I had rocked her world because she wasn't expecting me to look the way I look. So what does that mean? It means that my voice, my accent didn't match with her stereotype. Exactly. So she saw me and she thought that this is not the kind of person I had on the phone, right? So it worked both ways. And, and really, thank you for that question, because I think it's the first time I've come out with that in a public stage. So thank you. You're welcome. How about you, Claire? Do you have any example? Well, I have so many, but obviously, I'll give you two examples. And the second example that Leonardo shares, I actually could resonate on that one because I did have something very similar. Uh, but I mean, I'll use one as like, you know, growing up when you used to learn English. And then, of course, I always get a lot of people showing curiosity. Where are you from? What's your original background? Like, And then I get a lot. And of course, it also depends my hair at the time, how I my makeup, how I dress. And I really get a lot. People, are you Filipino? Oh, are you Cambodians? Oh, are you Hawaiians? You know, and then, and I'm just like, no, I'm not. And, and then I remember that time I always just get a little bit shit on my really sharing because obviously I'm like, oh no, my parents are actually from Taiwan. I'm Taiwanese, but I grew up in Vancouver and I literally have to give the whole story. Oh, but your accent is not quite like them, you know? I'm like, yeah, because I grew up here. <laughs> no, you don't have that Chinese accent or whatever. I'm like, what does that really even mean? And so that really did actually grab me a lot, you know, because that made me even want to be even harder. And now I'm thinking, like, why people care so much, you know, at the end of the day? Because they need to label and, uh, you. Because if they label exactly. you, they feel like they figure you out. They're safe. Yes. And exactly. they're safe. They're safe. Exactly. Then they know how to relate to you. Yeah, and uh, and uh, the fact is, I love the fact we want to be relatable, you know, but sometimes it's just like, but does it really matter? The whole fact is you're trying to understand me as a person. It's not really where I come from. Another example, obviously, when I used to live in Italy, learning Italians, and uh, people, again, guessing. Ah, uh, you know, yeah, nah, nah, you, you probably Italiano, you speak Italian, but you have that English accent. But again, you, you look like, you don't look, you're not white, you know? So just so <laughs> Let me tell you, what? from an Italian perspective, <laughs> if we make happy, they can make you feel uncomfortable, they will. Because inclusivity oh. is not a value for me today. <laughs> They never, oh, no. they never will be. Oh, no. And I dissociate oh, no. from that. That's why I don't live there. <laughs> yes. So that really, you know, for at that time when I tried to find an internship and then, you know, trying to work for some luxury brands. And the fact is that you send your email and when you go for an interview and right away, I mean, you present a certain way, but there a point of level you don't feel comfortable, right? Because again, I have to really work very hard. They know that you can speak them, but the fact is, they have a different Italian clientele or whatever. So you, again, you have to try so hard. Another one is when I lived in Montreal, I have to, again, learn my French, pick it up. And then, you know, sometimes it just because it's French, Quebecois, Canadians, and then again, they're a little bit snob. I have to say, it's a way to because they speak French and they speak English. And I remember at that time, again, you know, like you encounter an interview over the phone and then you try to have that again I'm really good at faking accent I'm not gonna lie so I, again I have that like oh bonjour madame we need your papa from say and then you know so again I have that English and French accent and trying to out like oh we be Montreal I live in Montreal you know so, and again so you're trying to go for an interview or first of the phone and when people see you Oh, okay. This is interesting. Yeah, I'm not Quebecois. I'm not. French. I am sad in anything, Claire. I this, can we get to do 
good episode about actors. That could be <laughs> yes. real. Yes, I mean, I'm telling you guys, this is hilarious. Yes. I'll probably tip to this. <laughs> this is really good. So again, it drawns a lot of discomfort again. And I'm just really like, yes. the fact is, at the end of the day, I can speak the language. It's really not the way how I look or how I, you know, so do I, because I speak the language. I love language because it's a connection. I can understand your culture. I use... That's what I always love about languages. But the fact is, we should not use the language and the accent to really judge the person. Guess the person so that's yeah. kind of my, exactly. So that's kind of my um, conclusion. And I'll pass it to Joe. One thing you can do if you feel, if you listen to this and you feel like you want to make an improvement in communication by taking advantage of your accent, is not try to change your accent, but try to change the pace of your speech. That is usually what makes your what people consider a weakness, a superpower. Because if you're able to adjust the speech and the pace of your speaking to the language that you're speaking, it's very, very powerful. For example, Italian, it's a very fast language. When I speak in Italian, what comes to you if you don't speak Italian is this crazy person that looks like they're rolling into... You know, it's like a wheel that never stops. It's like a hamster in a wheel. It's so fast. People speak on top of each other. Everybody has a thought. They need to express yeah. it before now. And it's yeah. very overwhelming. So <laughs> when you try to do that in English, people think you're crazy. So yeah. people think you are That's... completely insane. And they think, oh my God, this guy is just like, you know, keep up with this. So a very good tip for you listening. Don't try to change your accent because that's your superpower. However, try to adjust your pace and adjust it to the language you're looking to speak. I don't know if you guys agree with this. Absolutely, Joseph. It's one of the pillars of the work that, that we do. It's adjusting to the person you have in front of you. You know, we're, we're very much in our own little bubbles when we communicate, but as we have said several times on the show already, language is a connector, right? So if we want to connect, if we want to inform, if we want to educate, if we want to influence, we must find how to adjust with the person we have in front of, of us. Sorry. Is it someone who is speaking very quickly? And if so, if they're asking us a question, um, we rephrase, we reformulate. If someone is pretty much, you know, if you have like a blank look and you have no way of identifying if this person is with you or against you, you know, just asking those burning questions. You know, did you, are you with me on this? What's your thought? You know, really those open questions that are going to just help you slow down, collect your thoughts, get outside of your head because that's what happens a lot. We're so self-conscious, you know, in that burning desire of belonging that we're so much in our heads. This way we connect. So true. And this is one advice that I always give to people, even on social media, when they say to me, how can you speak in English so confidently? It is not your first language. I always thought it was your first language. And I was like, no, it's not. But I just adjust the pace. You know, if I go and speak in English like I speak in Italian, it would be like, oh, we like the pasta, we love the pizza, we love everything, everywhere we go. So it's just like, it doesn't really work. So, you know, you have to adjust it in line because ultimately you're looking to communicate in a way that is authentic to you, but also understandable for the person on the other side. So I think that's very important and we share some key points in there. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Digital Bosses podcast with your co-host Claire. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive conversation into all the practical tips and hacks that you can apply to grow your business. If you like the show today and you would like to support our podcast, please share with others and take a screenshot of the episode and tag us on social media such as Instagram and LinkedIn and let us know your feedback. Because we would love to know and share that to the world. And until then, I will see you with Joseph, same time, same place, next week. <laughs>